This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 52 of the North American Outdoors Podcast. My name is Heidi Rayo, coming to you from the great state of Texas. In today's podcast, we're going to do some reflecting on how we survived the 2021 Texas Arctic apocalypse. So back over Valentine's weekend, we had a pretty nasty weather forecast. The local and national weather service and the meteorologists had all predicted this super hard freeze that was barreling its way from the upper north, northwest, all the way down through our state of Texas. Now, Texas does see its fair share of weather. If you live up in the Texas panhandle around Amarillo, close to the Oklahoma or New Mexico border, there has been significant snowfall over the years, and it's not too uncommon for those residents to experience winter weather conditions such as ice, sleet, and hail. Well, not so much down along the Texas Gulf Coast in Houston, where we live. It's been probably, I don't know, five, ten years since we saw a slight bit of snow flurries. And we Houstonians really aren't prepared for that kind of weather. We generally don't have that type of warm clothing. We generally don't have the proper footwear, and we certainly don't have heavy enough jackets to get us out into the blazing, bitter Arctic cold of sub-freezing temperatures. We don't know how to drive on the ice and snow, for those people that are locals, and certainly we don't have the city and county equipment to handle roads that have been iced over. We don't have the salt trucks or the proper equipment to help keep our roads clean, dry, and safe for travelers. 
Usually when road conditions worsen, the city and county actually shuts our bridges down. They block them off because obviously bridges freeze first and we just don't have the equipment to keep it safe for drivers to go over those bridges. So when when Houston gets some weather like we've had these last couple weeks, it really really shuts down the city. And it's kind of a it's kind of funny when people who have moved here from out of state, whether they are transplanted Houstonians or whether they've spent more of their adult life than their youth, like I have down here, we still, even though we may have grown up in the North or the Midwest, we still don't have those same type of skills down here because it's so different winter in the North versus winter, which is very, very rare in the South. Down here in the South, the weather is predicted based on a light freeze or hard freezes, We indicate our freeze warnings and watches based on the hours that the temperature is below freezing. So on a light freeze, we may not have to go out and wrap our pipes and cover our plants like you would if the temperatures go longer. So when you hear in the South that there's a hard freeze watch or warning, um, a hard freeze watch is conditions are likely a hard freeze warning means it's happening. You better start doing your preparations. You better start getting ready to prepare for however many hours that's predicted that we will be below freezing temperatures. So what that means, again, down here in the South, most of us do not have basements because our water level is too high and we pretty much live about sea level. So if we started to dig a basement, we're going to hit water. So we don't have basements. None of our pipes are contained. All of our pipes are exterior. So like the pipes in the housing structures up north, all of those pipes are insulated and possibly they're contained inside your basement. Whereas up down here in the south, all of our pipes are on the outside of our homes. So the weather forecast always tells us to do three things. Take care of your pipes, take care of your plants, and take care of your pets. So again, being down here in the South, because we have such beautiful summers and springs that we don't have those bad temperatures, a lot of our Southerners love to landscape and garden. So if you drive through any neighborhood along the Texas Gulf Coast, generally speaking, those folks that live down here have a pretty, pretty nice green thumb. You're going to see some pretty spectacular yards with fruit plants and flowers and palm trees. And obviously those plants and fruit trees aren't prepared to handle these cold temperatures. So you're going to see if uh, weather is predicted, you're going to drive around and see everybody that has their bed sheets, their comforters, towels, anything that they can get their hands on with that much of a, a surface area wrapped around all of their plants, covering their flower beds. So it's kind of a pretty pretty funny picture if you've never seen it before, driving through, seeing all these houses with all their plants with these big old sheets and comforters wrapped up with duct tape to keep our plants and flower beds protected. You don't see that up north because the plants and, and flowers that are planted up north are hardier and they're made for the harsher weather. The other thing a lot of people don't consider if they've never lived down here in the South is how to protect your pools. 
down in the South, many, many homes have in-ground pools. You don't see too many above-ground pools like you might see in the North or the Midwest. Most of our pools that we have in our backyards are in the ground. So when our temperatures drop, we have to really focus on keeping those pool pumps running, keeping the pool pipes covered, and making sure that we don't have a crack in those lines because that turns into possible several thousand dollars worth of repairs. So the other thing we can add to those four, those three P's of plants, pipes, and pets is also those who have pools, we need to protect our pools. So normally on a, on a cold winter or a cold um, time of the year, when we have a light freeze warning, we always run our pool pump overnight just to keep that water moving and those pipes warm. So when it turns into a hard freeze, we really have to pay a lot of attention to those um, equipment pieces that we have that could essentially turn into several thousand dollars worth of repair after the weather warms up. So that's just a little glimmer of what it looks like down here in the south if the weather turns cold, approaches freezing, and Lord help us, drops below freezing like it did recently when we had our Arctic ice and snow apocalypse here down here in in pretty much the whole state of Texas. Now again, like I said, a lot of Texas is used to seeing snow, ice, wet roads, sleet, And even that black ice where the ice forms a layer on the roads and you can't tell if it's wet or if it's not. So it turns into black ice. So a lot of our friends across Texas are equipped and handled and have some experience in handling those conditions. But again, not here on the Texas Gulf Coast. So I want to share a little bit about how we survived the Arctic apocalypse of 2021. Even though all the meteorologists were predicting this several days before it actually happened, a lot of us know very good and well how to prepare for a hurricane. We know how to stock up, we know what supplies we need, and we usually have a while to get ready for that. And most of us have all those um, extra cases of water, we have our pantry stocked, so we're prepared for hurricane season. But nobody was prepared for what we endured the last week over the Texas apocalypse. So back before Valentine's weekend, a couple days before, um, we were being told that the temperatures are going to be colder than we've ever experienced over the last hundred years. We're going to see many days of not even temperatures approaching freezing. We were going to stay below freezing around the Houston area. And the nights were going to get into the single digits to the teens. And again, we really had to figure out how to prepare for that. So over Valentine's weekend, we what we did was we went outside and you know we wrapped all of our pipes. Again, we wrapped them with towels, we taped them all just so those pipes stayed warm in case those temperatures did plummet below freezing. The other thing that we did was we kept our pool pump running. So again, we wanted to keep that water running through our lines so we didn't face any cracked or damaged filters once the weather bound above freezing after this week of cold weather left us. Um, We went to the store, you know, we always have several cases of water on hand because we're prepared for hurricanes. Um, We have a couple other factors that lead to our advantage in times like this. You know, oftentimes people make fun of what's called preppers, you know, the people that are prepping for the end of the world or the zombie apocalypse. You know, I wouldn't go so far as to call my family preppers, but we are definitely prepared. 
for whatever condition that we enter into. You know, we do the best we can with the, the supplies that we have. You know, all six of us have spent many, many years in scouting. You know, my husband grew up in scouting. You know, he backpacked in the remote mountains up in the Northwest to the desert. You know, so he was definitely prepared carrying everything he needed to survive in a backpack for two weeks. So I knew being close to him, we were going to be just fine. You know, my entire adult life, I've been very involved in scouting. So we've taken our boys through the Boy Scout program and worked their way all the way through. So I can definitely, at a minimum, you know, stay warm and cook over a camp stove. So the good news is we have all that equipment and we were ready to go just in case the weather did tank. So we slowly gathered all that equipment and and kept it readily accessible. We also, you know, got our water and our canned goods and all of that stuff, you know, again, readily accessible just in case our power went out or we lost water. We had everything we needed to stay safe, stay fed because my family doesn't miss any meals. I would rather stay two weeks in the dark with no heat or no water than have to deal with hungry teenage boys. So I always want to make sure that my pantry is stocked. I have everything I need on hand just in case the worst happens, which actually we'll get into that and how we survived all that. So back on Friday of Valentine's weekend, that's what we did all day long. You know, we prepared, we covered our pipes, we covered our um, our pool filters, you know, we had that keep running. And we have a lot of um, critters that we take care of. We have turtles and tortoises, we have chickens, and those animals live outside. We have our inside pets, which we'll talk about here in a little bit. But we have a chicken coop. So the boys, you know, used all the hay that we've collected over the year. They lined their beds, the chicken beds with hay to keep them nice and warm and toasty. We took all of our turtles and tortoises and we moved them into our garage. We have a like a big water trough that we put everybody in and we keep them warm under heat lamps and we have a lot of bedding for the turtles and tortoises to stay nice and toasty. So we took care of all of our animals outside as well as use pretty much every spare sheet and towel we had in the house to cover all of our tropical fruit trees, all of our plants and all of our palm trees. A lot of my friends from outside of Texas ask me why we don't drain our pools, and that's because our temperatures generally don't get this cold where we actually have to physically drain our pool. So those of us that live in the South, we don't drain our pools. We just protect the pipes um, all around the pool and, of course, protecting that filter so nothing cracks if we ever do get into a hard freeze. So after we finished getting all of our outside and all of our plants and pipes and everything protected, we were fortunate enough to go to our sweet cousin's wedding about an hour across Houston to the west um, on Friday night. So she and her new husband, they had a beautiful ceremony. We were surrounded by family and friends, and it was a nice little break from the reality we had to come back home to of getting more stuff prepared for the weekend's frigid temperature prediction. So the next day on Saturday, uh, John had to go teach a class to Boy Scouts. So he went one direction and I went a different direction with my boys. And we actually helped run an archery range at a local gun club that we belong to. So we were working the ranges. The temperature had already started to drop. The winds kicked up. 
and were howling. So after we got to the range, again, the temperature kept dropping. The winds were blowing like hurricane force, what it seems, of course, to Houstonians. And we got on the archery range after we did a little safety briefing. It was unbelievable how many people still braved the cold and the wind to come outside, get outdoors, and do some hands-on activity through archery. So we had more kids at this event. And let me insert real quick that at this particular gun range, every month they do a program that's specifically geared towards getting more youth into the outdoors and out shooting. So every month, this range focuses on a different type of firearm or archery skill. My boys and I are oftentimes called upon to help run these ranges safely and to help introduce new youth and their parents and any adults that show up to different types of shooting activities that are available. So Valentine's weekend in perfect step with Cupid is the archery program. So I was called upon to help do the safety briefing and to run those ranges. And lo and behold, we had over 30 people show up to learn how to shoot archery. That was awesome and great, except that the winds were blustery cold and we were all dressed up in our heaviest hunting jackets and our gloves and wool stocking caps and socks on our feet to keep warm to run those ranges all afternoon on Valentine's weekend. It was a great fun time, but it just goes to show you that oftentimes not even the weather can keep the love of the outdoors cooped up inside. So flash forward to Saturday evening, we got home and we continued to stay warm and continued to prepare for the potential loss of power. We had our sights focused on yet another outdoor shooting activity the following day. So early Sunday morning, the next day, which is actually Valentine's Day, we got up really early and we ventured back to that shooting range. And this time we were teaching people how to shoot shotgun and better yet, how to play the game of five stand. The game of five stand is you stand in a cage, for lack of better words, and the cage looks like a triangle with the point of the triangle to your back and the two angles of the triangle about 45 degrees apart facing forward. So each of those cages has a shooter for a total of five shooters. Everyone takes a turn at a series of different targets that are thrown from different angles, from coming from behind over your head, to coming from in front of you, facing back to you, to crossing shots, to rabbits which bounce along the ground. Each shooter is presented a different type of target presentation, and then they rotate. Everybody rotates over a cage, and they have several different shots at the next target presentation. Then they rotate a cage for a different target presentation. So every shooter gets a total of 25 shots or a box of ammunition for a round of five stand. It's a lot of fun. It's high paced, fast acting, and you really have to hone your skills and it's not for the faint of hearted. It's a lot of fun and it keeps you on your toes. A lot of hunters practice the game of five stand because targets are presented at different angles and you necessarily don't know which angle they're coming from unless you read the cheat sheet that's attached to your cage to find out where the targets are going to come from. So it's a fun game. It's a great time. But that said, we had about 40 people show up that day in the blustery cold because by Sunday morning, the temperatures had already plummeted. 
while we were shooting, the temperature, the actual temperature in Houston, Texas, was 37 degrees. But the feels like temperature when factored in that wind chill was feels like it was about 27. The winds were howling, the temperature was dropping, the drizzle was forming, and the road conditions were worsening. So as we continued our day of letting everybody shoot their round of five stand, um, we let everybody go home because the conditions were not only getting worse, but that light drizzle was going to be freezing here before too long after the sun went down. When I said we let everybody go home, we actually had to tell people to go home. Okay, guys, fun's over. It's starting to get really cold. And although we were all shivering and we were definitely aware of the weather, it did not stop anyone from having a great time on the shotgun range. So back to all my points and all my previous podcasts, there is no better place than the outdoors, no matter what the conditions are. Everyone was having such a great time on the five stand field. Fortunately, everyone made it home safe and sound. And by nine o'clock Sunday evening, it was icing. We had a few snow flurries falling in the late evening, but for the most part, it was sleeting and it was ice that was hitting the ground and forming a frozen covered layer across all of our yards, our back porches, and all of our vehicles. By 5.30 a.m. Monday morning, it was 19 degrees actual temperature and it felt like it was three degrees in Houston, Texas. The winds were still howling, and the whole backyard was covered in a sheet of ice with snow mixed into it. So being the loving mom that I am, I went outside and I scooped up a cup of that frozen precipitation, that frozen ice and snow mixture, and I went around to all the boys who were not as excited as I was to see white stuff on the ground, and I gave a good little handful of that stuff on their chests to wake them up to say, hey guys, look, it's snowing outside, or it was icing outside. Y'all definitely need to come down and see this. So a couple of them got up. My youngest two, Luke and John John, were super excited, so they jumped straight up out of bed and they ran outside and they played around for a little bit, but not very long because it was a little bit too cold for us Houstonians. And my big two, Dominic and Matthew, they pretty much growled at me and pulled their sheets back over their head and rolled over and said, you know, that's that's cold. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, mom. Good night. So they rolled back over. But the best part of seeing all this were watching the dogs. So now we have four dogs. We have grandpa's dog since he's passed away. We have his dog, Cindy. And we have our three monsters, Yukon, Dakota, and Kodiak. So we open the back door. We let the dogs run out to romp around in the snow and ice for the first time. Yukon, our oldest, who is seven years old, was like, nope. She ran outside. She did her thing. And she bolted back in the house. Cindy Lou, who is Papa's dog, same thing. She's two years old. She ran out. She did her duty and she ran back in the house, almost knocking me over. Now, the other two dogs, which are the Finnish Spitz breed, who are from Finland and Norway and that cold temperature, they absolutely loved it. It was everything I can do to get these two beasts back in the house. Dakota is still a puppy who's not quite one, and Dakota has never seen snow before. 
Kodiak, who is also two years old, uh, she still has a ton of puppy in her, but she loves playing in the snow when we do our vacations in Yellowstone and up into the Northwest. We've seen our share of snow, but the snow that they've played in before has always been the white, fluffy, powdery snow, not this hard ice snow like we had in our backyard. So Kodiak and Dakota were romping around and playing and barking and rolling around and having a grand old time at 5.30 in the morning. So have fun. Trying to get those dogs in, right? So I was doing everything I could and finally got them back in, but the temperature kept on dropping throughout the day on Monday. Once the sun came up a little bit, we checked on all of our outside animals. The turtles and tortoises that were in our garage were doing just fine under that nice warm heat lamp. The boys went and checked on their chickens, and again, they were all huddled up nice and warm in their piles of hay. But the one thing that Luke, my youngest, got to do that he's never done before, he had to actually go outside and break ice on their water. He came back in and asked me for a hammer. I'm like, what do you need a hammer for? You're going to check the chickens. He said, there's a layer of ice on their water bucket and I've got to break it so they can get to their water beneath it. So I know a lot of northern folks have to break ice to take care of their animals, but we've never had to deal with breaking ice on water buckets for our animals down here in the south. So fortunately, last Monday was a holiday. It was President's Day. So there was no school and pretty much the city was shut down anyway in observance of our holiday. So I did something that I have never in my life or that I can even remember doing in the past. I was still in my pajamas. I was wrapped up in blankets. I was on my sofa. I was sitting on my butt and I was drinking coffee and watching TV and reading a book. I've never had the chance just to be bored. The boys were all scattered in their rooms, watching videos or doing whatever they were doing. I had the whole downstairs to myself. The dogs were actually curled up in their corners, some of which were on my lap, which is a rarity because it's hard to cuddle a finished spitz if you know that breed. They cuddle on their terms, not yours. So I had dogs on my lap, coffee in my hand, and blankets all around. We had our fireplace going since before sunup, and we kept putting logs on the fire and just enjoying the day, um, getting ready for what was about to come. We had continued having power throughout the day, and we checked on our family and friends, and a lot of people were starting to lose power across our area and across greater Houston. So one thing that we have on our house are the hurricane rolling shutters that cover all of our windows and doors. They were installed professionally, and once properly covered, they can actually protect against 150-mile-per-hour winds. So they're hurricane shutters, but they're also for security. And when it's the summertime, we usually keep the shutters down on our windows to try to keep as much cool as we can in the house. And when it gets cold outside, we keep those shutters down so any of our heat does not escape from inside of our home. When we had these shutters installed, we had the option of installing them with an electric switch so you could flip the switch and the shutters will slowly raise up and you can flip the other switch and they'll slowly ro roll down to close. There's also a hand crank in case you lose power where we can at least crank the shutters up or down if we need to if the electricity goes out. So on Monday evening, in anticipation of losing power, we kept all of our window shutters closed to try to keep that heat in. And on the back door, I only lowered the shutters to about two feet off the ground. That way, if we did lose power, we could still open our door and the dogs could run out that shutter to go to the restroom and come back in. 
We also have shutters on our front door, and to those shutters, I lowered halfway. That way, again, in case we lost power, we could at least duck under that shutter when we opened our door so we could safely get in and out of the house. Little did I know that when we lost power in the middle of the night, Monday night into Tuesday morning, little did I realize that those shutters don't work when they're frozen shut. Again, they're hurricane shutters. Texas isn't supposed to have, or Houston isn't supposed to have, frigid freezing temperatures that seize up the motor and freeze those shutters closed tight. So when I put that hand crank on the shutters and tried to open the windows or open the remaining of the back and front doors, it didn't budge. They were locked, frozen, shut. So those are things that lessons learned you don't think about is having such cold temperatures that it seizes up something that's supposed to work when it's warmer temperatures in the summertime. So fortunately, at least the back door was open enough or the back shutter was opened enough that when we opened our back door, the dogs could go in and out and we weren't locked inside of our home and the front door was opened where we could go under that shutter to get out the front door. So these are lessons learned and notes taken again. So if God forbid this ever happens again, we'll keep this in mind and maybe do things a little bit differently in anticipation of not only the temperatures going below zero, but our shutters and the motor season up and freezing shut. The winds were howling, and so we had blankets stuffed around all of the thresholds of the front and back doors. Um, Again, that's something that I learned growing up in the Midwest, is we always had something to cover those thresholds on the foot of the door because it was very drafty. So I did take that skill from my upbringing and brought it with me here to Houston. So I had all the, the drafts covered and blocked. But nonetheless, we had no power come about three, four o'clock in the morning, early Tuesday morning. So what we did was we immediately started our fire. Our fireplace was roaring by 4.30 in the morning, and we already had our propane camp stove working. We had a pot of coffee on, and we were getting ready to make our big breakfast. We had eggs and bacon and salsa and avocado cut up peppers and onions all cut up and all stirred around on the cooktop. And we ended up making all those ingredients together. We call them down here breakfast tacos. So we had a really hearty breakfast when we had no power and only cooking by flashlights and kerosene lanterns. We already were prepared and we knew how to do those activities because again, we were outdoors people and we definitely knew how to prepare for the worst. So all the kids had a really good breakfast. We were still nice and warm because our fireplace was roaring and we made our cowboy coffee. If you've never had cowboy coffee, you're missing out. Normally on a camp out around a campfire, we boil water and we put the coffee grounds in and it's a matter of taking the boiling water off and on the fire and getting that coffee to boil and simmer down, boil and simmer down. And if you've never had it before, you're definitely missing out. You need to come on a camp out with us and try it because John makes the best cowboy coffee there is. I've tried and tried and I'm okay at it, but John has that perfect touch. We are also extremely blessed to live across the street from one of the kindest, gentle-hearted, 
most awesome neighbors that anybody could ask for, Miss Jeannie. She and I were texting about 4.30 in the morning when both of our power went out, and she has a gas stove. John hates our stove, and if you don't know, he's the cook of the family. I try, again, I try, and I'm okay, but nothing like he can cook. So he absolutely hates our flat-top induction oven, which is electric. He's always wanted a gas stovetop. So that's our next home improvement, especially now after the power went out, is we're going to be getting a gas stovetop. But our neighbor across the street has gas. And as soon as her power went out, she immediately started cooking a big old pot of chili for us and her so we could stay warm during the cold day on Monday. We kept our fireplace burning and we kept the blankets under the door so to keep the draft out because by this time the winds were still howling and it was actually snowing on Monday morning. So the temperature was still dropping. The feels like temperature was down to two degrees. Um, it was just really cold and a lot of us Houstonians have never experienced this before. So our heart went out and our thoughts went out to all of those people that did not have power who needed power, like those who might be on oxygen machines or CPAP machines or people that need power to take their breathing treatments. We just couldn't stop thinking about those folks and praying that they did the best they could and they received the power they needed, whether it was through a generator or if they had to go back and forth into their vehicles and charge up their equipment. So it's, it's really scary times because, again, people aren't prepared for this, but you don't really think about those who might be in need who actually have to rely on electricity to get them through the day. So as the morning went on in the dark, we kept making sure that all of our pipes were still covered. We kept checking outside our pool. We were getting worried about because since the power went out, we were worried about our pool pipes and our filter, but we just kept checking on everything and just praying that we did not see any water pouring out of any of our pipes. And we kept walking around our house, checking the ceiling, making sure we had no water leaks up in the attic. And the other thing that we did was keeping our water to a, a drip to a trickle. That way it's keeping those pipes moving and keeping water moving through those pipes. We've heard horror stories of people who shut off their water and their pipes froze. And as soon as everything thaws out, they're going to have broken water lines and broken pipes. So we definitely did not want to experience that and to incur those charges. So we kept the water moving, kept it nice and slow and trickling and just kept on checking on things around the house. Now, the other thing that we have to take care of is John's dad's house. Since he passed away in November, we pretty much have two houses to take care of. So fortunately, his house is only about 10 minutes down the road. So once we took care of our house and made sure everything was good, about mid-morning, we came down here to check on everything and make sure all the pipes were still wrapped and there was no water leak. And we came down here and lo and behold, there was electricity. So John called me and we loaded up the kids and the dogs and we came down here and we took advantage of the electricity as long as we could because we anticipated, just like at our house, we anticipated this electricity going out as well. So we came down here and we continued to keep all of our phones charged and our charging banks charged and getting all of our equipment ready to go, anticipating that power loss. The dogs were down here. They were nice and warm. And um, we, we kept power for pretty much the rest of the day. 
the weather was still predicted to tank and stay below freezing. And sure enough, the next night came, it was below freezing. The roads were wet, slick and icy. And sadly, a lot of people were out of their homes because they had no power. They ran out of firewood and they were out on the streets. So hopefully a lot of people were safe. Um, there have been a lot of reports of accidents and sadly people who actually started their vehicles in their garages and let their cars run. Well, that's not a good combination. And a lot of times people die because of carbon monoxide poisoning. So we're hearing stories of that and just tragic endings to people that just don't know how to keep themselves warm and safe because Houston is not supposed to have these kind of temperatures. So unfortunately, a lot of people were out of their homes and driving up and down the streets and they were looking for gas. They were looking for food. They were looking for a hot meal. And they were even looking for bathrooms because not only did we lose our power, we all had our water faucets, water faucets dripping on a slow trickle or a stream that all of our water pressure was dropping. And a lot of the different water authorities around the area actually shut off water. So now we had no electricity, no heat, and no water. And a lot of people, like I said earlier, uh, that were elderly or that relied upon electricity to stay alive. Um, on the other end of that spectrum, a lot of people had small children and babies. And you don't realize how good you have it until some of those components have been taken away or disappear. We rely on social media. Um, there's a lot of neighborhood groups that are out there and our cell service was even spotty. So a lot of times it was really hard to get onto those neighborhood groups to find out what was going on, who had power, who lost power. People were crying out for firewood. They were willing to buy it, to come get it. Um, it was just a really sad time watching the breakdown of our whole area when we lost heat and electricity and water. So again, it goes to show that Houstonians do a great job during hurricane season because we do have those supplies to stay to stay safe and to stay alive with water and food. But again, we don't think about what happens on the other end when the temperatures are below zero. Do we have enough supplies to keep on hand to get us through those times? And this was only a couple days worth of of below freezing temperatures. We lost power for a couple of days. We had no water for a couple of days and our temperatures were below zero for only a couple of days. Imagine how that would look if we lived up in the mountains. And I always laugh at people when they say, oh, you know, I want to live out into the mountains and have no cell service and stay away from people. You know, I want to just go, go live and relocate out into a cabin somewhere in the mountains. But yet, most of us couldn't have even survived just four days here without water, electricity, people contact, and uh, heat. So it really is eye-opening when you put the rubber to the road and, and to see the reality of what it actually would be like if you were disconnected from society and disconnected from all those available resources that we so frequently take advantage of. So lessons learned or lessons reinforced during a time like this, you know, just making sure that you always have enough supplies on hand, whether it be during summertime for hurricane season or during wintertime during an ice storm or below zero temperatures like we had this year in, in Houston and along the whole Texas Gulf Coast and across the whole state. So making sure that you have ample supply of water 
in case we are under um, no water. And also, our water system is contaminated, so we are all under a mandatory boil water order. So make sure that you have enough supplies that you can boil your water. And if you don't have electricity, make sure you have enough water that you can drink. So making sure that you have all that equipment and keep in plenty of phones charged and maybe invest in some of those phone charging banks that you have charged up at all times. And throughout, you know, maybe the first of every month that you make sure that all your phone charging banks are topped off at a full charge, just in case, again, we lose power or the temperatures drop or some other crazy apocalyptic tragedy is happening in your backyard, making sure that you have the resources that you find so comfortable and that you need so often, make sure you have all that prepared and ready to go in case this happens again. Always have enough food on hand. We have enough food, have enough bread, peanut butter, things that you don't have to cook or bake or put into a toaster oven. Make sure you have enough of those uh, perishable foods and non-perishable foods readily accessible to feed your entire family for at least seven to 14 days, just in case. Again, you're preparing for the worst. You're hoping for the best, but you're doing the best you can with the resources that you've built and the skill set that you have to get through the day. Not only taking care of yourself, but making sure that you're taking care of your pets. Do you have enough dog food, cat food, fish food, whatever it is, do you have enough to last one to two weeks in case of another power outage or in case something happens when the grocery store shelves are bare in these crazy times? So making sure that you have enough food and water stocked for your pets as well. And medication. Do your pets take medicine? Do you take medicine? Do you have enough medication, prescription or non, to get you through one to two weeks in case something like this happens again? Do you have a way to communicate? A lot of our fire stations and police stations were stretched very, very thread thin because of all of the demand that was placed upon them. Do you have a way to communicate in case your phone lines are out, if you still have a landline, or if your cell towers are out, which we all experienced, our cell service was very, very poor, even with some of the strongest and best servers out there like AT&T and Verizon, those services were very slow to a crawl because when the power went out, everybody was on their cell phones and all of that service was low to to none. So making sure that you always have a backup plan. Are you checking on your neighbors? Are you checking on your friends and family that may not have the accessories or the equipment that you have to keep you safe? Are you making sure they have enough water? Are they warm? Do they have enough food? Do they have enough firewood? I was overwhelmed by the amount of cries that people had on the local social media neighborhood apps that were just begging for firewood because they had burned their bundle or two, which that's pretty much all we need in a Texas winter, at least along the Gulf Coast. We really don't burn through that much firewood. Our fireplaces are pretty much for aesthetics, not necessarily for warmth, but we all experienced, and those of us who are fortunate to have fireplaces, we were sure glad we had them. A couple years ago, one of our neighbors cut down a 100-foot 
red oak tree in their backyard. And they put a post out there that they're cutting down this big old tree and anybody who wants the wood, it's free for the taking. So a lot of people came by to pick up wood, but they turned their nose up at it because they didn't have a way to split the wood and they just didn't want to be burdened with having to do a little work to get that wood down to manageable pieces to burn into a fireplace. But of course, the resourceful Rayos, we went down across the neighborhood and we saw what we had ahead of us and we brought down our chainsaws and our axes and we brought truckload after truckload after truckload home. Again, this was a couple years ago, but we took advantage of that opportunity and being the fact that nobody wanted it, we took it. And we spent probably two weeks chopping down and cutting that wood into manageable pieces for our fireplace. We even rented a splitter so we can get the job done a little bit quicker. A lot of people really didn't consider the hard winter because this happened about in August. And for those of you that have been through a Houston August, it's about triple digits outside. And that's really the last thing that we want to be thinking about is cutting firewood in August. We even purchased several fireplace wood racks to hold all that wood that we split in the back of our yard in anticipation of a future time when we're going to need it. And boy, I'm sure we had cut down that 100-foot tree or we took the pieces of that 100-foot oak tree because that wood burned beautifully and really hot and it kept us warm when we needed it the most. You don't realize the little things that you're so appreciative of, like coffee in the morning or a warm house to walk into in the wintertime until it's gone. So do you have a way to keep your house warm and to keep your coffee going in the morning if you lose that power? But one of the funniest things that I experienced was watching the boys when they lost their cell service, lost their internet, and had no way to connect to the outside world. They pretty much live on their phones like most everybody these days does, but when all the power went off and their service shut down and was down to a crawl, they didn't know what to do. It was first the denial. It was the several stages of losing connection. They went through the denial. They blamed me. Why'd you shut off my service? Let's go home. Let's go here. Let's go there. There's got to be a place where we can get on Wi-Fi. Let's go to the store. Let's go to the parking lot of these stores because surely there's Wi-Fi that we can jump onto. So going through those stages of denial and then anger once they figured out that, nope, it's gone and there's no way there's no way to connect and the towers all over the place are shut down because we have no power. This is a statewide issue, boys. Face it. There's no power. You got to figure out what you're going to do without your phones. So once all the boys traveled through the denial phase, the anger phase, finally they landed into the acceptance phase. This is the way it is. Let's figure out what to do. Even though we brought some board games and we were prepared to have some old-fashioned family fun, we never really broke open those board games, but we did play cards. Um, One thing that Grandpa always taught the boys how to do was to play poker and different card games. So the boys were playing cards together and had a lot of fun doing that. But what ended up happening, which is what I love the most, is they were having fun just telling stories and sharing 
experiences and laughing at each other, laughing at us. I overheard them when we were in the back room and lights were out, the electricity was out, your voices carried across the house. They were telling stories about, remember when you did this and mom and dad did that? And it was awesome to hear them get back to those basics of just storytelling. And that's that's really what I enjoyed the most out of this whole crazy week of temperatures and power and water and all that stuff. I enjoyed the most sitting back and listening to their stories. Matthew is actually learning how to play John's old guitar. And so he was in the other back room plucking on the guitar and he's starting to sing different songs, different old country cowboy songs. And it was so cool just to listen to him strumming the guitar in one room and the other three boys telling stories and laughing in the other room. So that's pretty much how our 2021 Houston apocalypse ice storm came to an end as the temperatures warmed up, power started coming back on, the water was turned back on, even though we had to boil for several days because of all the contaminants that were in it. That's okay. At least we have water and power and we reset our priorities after a week like we had in February 2021. I am such a firm believer that everything happens for a reason. We are where we are, when we're supposed to be there, because we're supposed to be there, and all of these experiences combined only make us stronger. I'm such a firm believer that still to this day, no matter how cold it is, there still is no better classroom than the outdoors. Everything that we've learned throughout our skill set of being outdoor people, being campers and hunters and learning how to stay warm and learning how to build fires and learning how to cook over the flames, because of all those skills, it has made us stronger and made us survivalists when the things go south, when they're not supposed to go south. So because of all those skills we've learned in the outdoors, there's no better skill set than learning those skills, roaming the woods and waters and creating memories that will last a lifetime. And this past month, we've sure created a lot of memories. You've heard another North American Outdoors podcast. For more information, you can visit NorthAmericanOutdoors.org and follow me on Instagram at North American Outdoors. This is Heidi Rayo, and I hope you have a great day. On Mondays, head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Look at that, Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.